Hello friends, this is Pastor Gary Rayburn along with my partner, Pastor Daryl Spicer. We're a couple old trailer truckers and our ministry is to the driver, but you know, that's the way it started, but all of a sudden we figured it out. It's not a truck driving ministry, it's a whosoever ministry. So we're going to hopefully enlighten you a little bit about the trucking industry, but more importantly, we want to bring Jesus to the drivers out there on the road and to you. So come right along with us in the cab for Church on the Road. I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey That's The Road Is My Life, and that's Dennis McKay singing that for you. Man, he's been a good friend of the ministry, hasn't he, Daryl? He sure has. Yeah. Dennis and Leslie McKay make up the McKay Project. They sure do. They're out of Columbus, Mississippi, and they have become dear friends of Lonesome Road Ministry, and we are looking for a ride. Yeah. Yeah, I'm tired of this walking. <laughs> Here comes one of those big, large cars now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna, he don't know it, but he's fixed to get hijacked. Amen, amen. Hey, pulling over. Looky yeah. there, Daryl. Driver, I know you're busy, but would you give us a ride for a little while? We got a story we want to tell you. 
about a special, special man. Mike Atkins. Mike is from West Frankfort, Illinois. Mike has been all over the country, all around the world. Mike also wrote a song, and this mm. song was back in the 80s. This is one of the most anointed songs that you'll ever hear. Yes. The song is called Adoration. And we're going to start our program with that song right now. Praise, we praise, 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 praise to the one who sent us his son. Praise. You're the sweet rose 
of sharing You're all love and you're all power You're merciful and you're mighty You're the redeemer of all mankind You're the lion, the lion of Judah You're the ruler of this whole universe You're the most high Messiah You're the soon coming King Holy, holy is your name song and here's our good friend Mike Atkins to tell us all about where he goes to church. I don't know how you start your morning but uh, I've got an early service I do three or four times a week and, a, and then a late service at the church of Hardy's in my hometown. That's my church. I'm pastor and they just don't know it and uh, I love it like that. They, them guys at Hardy's most of them getting quite a bit older some of them starting to experience a lot of physical problems. And it's a funny thing about human nature. My dad told me when I was a kid, told all of us six boys, he'd say, people really aren't going to turn to God in mass, you know, the whole big bunch of them, until things get hard enough. I guess that's human nature. Years ago, I thought, why don't we turn to him as a first resort instead of a last resort? In fact, I found out when I started doing that, it saves you a lot of pain and a lot of that trouble that you get yourself into, even if you mean well, you know. But I start down the highway from home and head up to Hardy's and they'll say, uh, when I get there, they'll say, why don't you come up to our church and sing right here in town? And I'll say, why in the world would I want to do that? Down here, I'm not paid a salary, so I'm not under anybody's particular ideas and plans and uh, rules and you know, not trying to be ugly, but in most churches in the United States of America, God is through at noon on Sunday, whether he likes it or not. And uh, now he may not be through with what he wants to do, but 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 men are men are through. They're ready to go eat or something. And uh, anyway, I'm on the way to Hardy's in the morning, and I'll I play this song every morning. Now I have for about, about most of a year, I guess. That's a song that the Lord gave me one morning when I woke up. I'd been really, really ill. And I mean really ill. I thought I was dying. And I went to the Mayo Clinic twice. They couldn't find out what was wrong. I knew the devil's behind it, but I don't know why. You'd like to know what he's doing. But they never could find out. And I got so ill, I couldn't hardly get out of bed. And one night I thought for sure I was dying. And 
I was preparing my wife and my family for that, and I thought, well, you know, maybe it's my time and God's through or whatever. And I, I got in the habit of wake, I'd wake up after the devil would tell me I was dying all night. And let me ask a question. Never ask this of anybody. Has he ever told anybody when you get to feeling horrible that, well, it's about over for you? Is anybody here he done yes, that sir. to? Yeah. I don't know why I thought I was a Lone Ranger in that deal, but I just now thought about it. I bet he does that. He's a liar, you know. He's a liar. In fact, he invented it. He's the chief liar. And so anyway, that next morning I woke up instead of dying. As soon as I opened my eyes, I thought, wow. I said, good morning, Jesus. I'm so glad you don't mind when I call I just wanted to spend some time with my best friend You gave your life for me after all Good morning Jesus You have made this day I thank you for spring flowers They're like friends you send my way Good morning, Jesus I'll thank you for your grace When I stand before you And say good morning face to face When I am with you I am never alone Fill your arms around me ever near Walking hand in hand Into glory land Oh, what joy Nothing can compare Good morning, Jesus Like friends you send my way you send my way Good morning, Jesus I'll thank you for your grace When I stand before you Say good morning face to face Good morning, Jesus Well, I get to Hardy's and uh, got to tell you what happened yesterday. <coughs> Just before I left the house, uh, I was thinking about when I'd been there just the day before yesterday and what had happened. I've learned something <coughs> recently. I've learned, I don't know why it takes us old, 
Mark Twain said it's a shame that that youth is wasted on the young or something <coughs> like that. It takes so long to get old enough. You think, where have I been? Is it what's going on in there? I'm thinking. Well, the problem I think we leaned our own understanding way, way, way too much. The Bible says not to do that. Imagine running your business and you don't sit around and try to figure out the next move just from your experience and all that kind of thing, which I think most people do if they're like me. And he's got a better plan than that. Just simply make him chairman of your board. And don't do one single thing in your business until you've asked him and checked with him and give him time to respond. Amen. Wait on him. Boy, he'll save you a lot of trouble. <laughs> anyway, uh, yet the day before at Hardy's, what had happened, we got table one at Hardy's, I call it. That's the cussers. That's the, that's the, they use the Lord's name in vain real loud, whether there's children or women there. We don't have any no profanity signs there. I don't know if they do any good, but uh, and here's the oddest thing. I love them guys. Right. I love them all. We're supposed right. to. My wife, I'll come home and I'll say, they're cussing again down there. And she'll say, well, they're acting like they're supposed to. They're lost. <laughs> and I think, yeah, so was I. So was I for a long time in my life. And, and, and so there's table two. That's the one I usually sit at. There's an older fellow there in his early 80s, but you wouldn't know it. I mean, he's still... You know, there's 80s where they're just barely getting, and then there's 80s where you don't even know they're 70. He plays a keyboard, and a good friend of mine, been sitting with him for about a year and a half now, close to it, and he plays at a, you know how popular all these country barn dances have gotten now, and everybody comes together and they dance, and you know, as long as they can, and lots of widows there because their husbands have died, and they're not necessarily looking for a man at their age, but they, they love anybody just say, to dance with them or say hello to them or, they're lonely. People are lonely, not just widows. And, uh, but you see more and more where their mates passed away, and they're lonely, and they're hurting, and their bodies are uh, starting to wear out on them, and they don't know what to do about it. When I got sick, I'll tell you what old Mike did, that's why I bought this big old Bible. And I got into the, guess what I studied when I was sick? How to get well. <laughs> All right, I did too. Because it dawned on me, if he saved me, and the medical profession that I've been to hadn't been able to solve it. Right. Duh. I thought, maybe I ought to see what he's got to say. And he's brought me out of it. I'm telling you, I have a very few bad moments of, of a few days now. I'm just almost totally well and getting better and better, thank God. Right. And I can tell you as a fact, now preachers are supposed to say this, but let me tell you something, I'm not really a preacher. I never papered. I, I was going to if the Lord told me to. I was going to join something if He told me to, and He never has yet. But the amazing thing is, if you don't belong to something, you get to go to a lot of them. So, uh, anyway, uh, I, let me get to it. I, I just started studying and studying, and I, boy, I wore Psalms out because it's so encouraging when you're sick or got troubles and problems. and It's just it, it, full of it. So, we're at table two. I'm telling these guys, well, the guy plays keyboard. He's a dear friend of mine. He'd listen, but all his life, he's a very bright man, a very bright man, very intelligent. He spent his life uh, depending on that a lot. And that's fine for some things, I guess, but it'll sure, you're going to come across something in life. I don't care how bright you are, how brilliant you are, you won't be able to handle one day the Lord told me, he said, write this down and tell him. See, the Lord, what will happen, he'll, he tells me, go in there and don't spout off. Don't 
start cramming religion down anybody's throat and don't get mad and because some guys it belongs to something you don't agree with or somebody else see I, I used to think man they better line up with what I think or I won't love them <laughs> bad mistake I go make myself available and God has given me a heart that I love them I care about them now let me tell you about people you know it already they know when you really care and when you don't if they got any sense at all, they've been cons so much they've got good at recognize a con, and and whether it's a religious con or whether it's a whatever. So I make myself available, and believe this or not, I shut up. Man, that's hard to do, because everything in you wants to just tell them your great expertise and everything you've learned, like you're the first one to ever learn it, like you got a corner on the market. And I've seen I've seen ministers get together and, and just like to compare what they know. And I'm thinking, and don't get me wrong, you study this word, study it. I tell you what's wrong with the United States of America without being all political. They haven't read this. They haven't, they might even scanned it sometimes. They might hear it on Sunday morning for 30 minutes, but they haven't read from baseball to the maps. You remember how it starts in the big inning? I'm having fun with it. They haven't, they haven't read this book. They haven't studied it. They hear little parts, whatever their church teaches or whatever they believe or whatever they've been told. But I'm telling you, when you run into something that you never faced before, your answers are right here. That's why I call him my best friend. By the way, in 1 John 1, he says, I am the Word. He is this Word. This is one. I may be the greatest gift he ever left to humanity other than, you know, salvation and things that he mentions in here. Anyway, let me get to it. Uh, I was sitting down there the day before yesterday and and I, the first service was about over. Table two was getting up to leave. Table one was just all getting there, getting in the real height of their cussing. And uh, table three is unusual. They, they've remodeled Hardy's, lots of them around here now, and they got a high stool you sit on with a little high table. So I saw these two fellows over there, they're cousins, and they're in their 80s. And I went over at the table and I sat down. And, right. So you know what he told me to do? He, he said, just when I give you the opportunity, when I give you the opportunity, he said, right. you speak my word to them. Right. Don't preach, he said. Amen. The word does not return void. It'll either change you or you'll answer for it. Right. It's kind of a frightening thing when you think about it. It doesn't return void. It will have an effect. So I go over there and I... I said, how are you fellas doing? They said, fine, fine, Mike, how are you doing? So we sat there, and now they got a younger fella. He's in his 50s or so. He, he works for them part-time. He came in, and he sat down there, and they got to arguing <coughs> politics. One of them said, well, I, we, need these, we need these abortions, he said. I thought, what country are you in? 50 million we've killed so far, they claim. And, and, and somehow God still hadn't called us on the carpet for it? I said, can I ask you a question? Why do you think we need abortions? He said, well, who's going to feed all these kids if we let them be born? And I said, well, I thought maybe God could. And he goes, well, I've seen things you haven't seen. I said, well, everybody's seen things that each other haven't seen. What are you talking about? He said, I worked in some places, and I know what goes on. I was up by Chicago, and I saw things that you wouldn't even believe. Well, he didn't know. I've been to Indonesia, and I've been to all kinds of other countries, and I've seen things I never thought my eyes would see either. Right. 
But that don't change the answer. And I said, well, let me ask you a question because I don't want to argue and all that stuff. Debate and arguing don't get the job done. Mm -hmm. The Lord's told us in here, don't contend with them. And I said, what do you do with, you know, thou shall not kill? He said, well, actually, that's always bothered me. He was honest. Mm -hmm. So you know what the Lord told me? He said, ask him what else he wants to talk about. And I said, where were you raised? When I found out, I couldn't believe it. He was raised down pretty close where Wilma over there is raised. He gets telling me, that's where my wife was raised, down by Glacier area. He said, there's some roads back in there I bet you've never seen. I said, I bet there is. He said, I knew your wife's family, all her uncles and her aunt. And he starts telling me, it. I said, let's go for a ride down there and show me where all those places were you're talking about, the schools that aren't there anymore and churches that aren't there anymore. So we took us a ride. And we, we rode about three hours down there. He remembered everybody that lived on both those sides of the road. We went three different roads. He remembered every family. He'd seen old driveway. The school was gone. The place was gone. He told me what they did, who had the most cattle, who whatever. All, and he was raised about a mile north of there. And you know what? A bond began to develop between us. And I found out something. One-on-one, -on -one, they'll, they'll get a little more honest with you than when they're not in the crowd. So I started uh, loving him more, just telling him, I care about you, you know, and started telling him the word. And found out he said, I'm not feeling as good as I used to these days. He never had a problem like that. Now he said, I, I love to read, but I fall asleep while I'm reading. And we got to know each other a little bit. And then the, his cousin, the other fella, that sits at the big table, he loves to have fun. And, he, and, and he, he tried to drag me into that arguing over politics, but I wouldn't get drug into it because the Lord said, no, just be quiet. So I sat back and they was arguing. Well, Larry, the younger fella, come in that works with him, and he gets upset. Now, he's an excellent Christian, but he watches a lot of Rush Limbaugh and Fox News like the Republicans do, and, and the Democrats do CNN and, you know, the other, and the ladies watch Home and Garden and hope you won't talk about politics. But anyway, if it's like my house. But anyway, so I'm real quiet, and all of a sudden they got into an argument about politics. And they got so mad, one of them grabbed a table like this, and he was going... I mean, furious. At that age, that's kind of dangerous, I think, to do that, you know. I mean, and, and, and about an hour later, when he cooled down, he said, you know what? He said, I'm not going to do that anymore. He said, we're not. And they made an agreement. Right. You talk about the Holy Spirit working. I come in there, and they had made an agreement. Now we're up to that day before yesterday. And they won't talk about politics. And I said, well, to myself, what are we going to talk about? And the Lord said, Me. And I said, now, God, you told me not to preach. Yeah. There's the other thing I've learned. Make yourself available to people and then wait on Him. That's the hard part. Wait on Him. And here's what He did. In the door comes this guy I've never seen in my life. They say he's been staying, he goes to McDonald's in the mornings. But McDonald's in my hometown right now being remodeled, and you can't even go inside at this particular moment for a few days because they're doing the inside. You can go to the drive-up still yet. McDonald's appreciate me telling you that if you're over there, but you can go to the drive up, but you can't go inside. So the McDonald's people been coming to Hardee's, and now it's packed. Now I got more people to love. My congregation's growing. I've seen preachers try everything in the world to get a crowd, and if you just go be available and do what the Lord tells you, He brings them. In fact, I found out in the Bible, He says, "Bobby, that true? He'll woo them and draw them." Anyway, I'm learning to see, and I'm trying to make myself available, and I'm loving them, and I'm waiting. And then walks this guy, and he, go, he walks up to our table. There's one stool left. Happened to be one stool left. 
Oh, by the way, table one had got up and left by that time, the cussers. And, and he comes up and he said, you fellas don't know me, I want to introduce myself. And I thought, insurance salesman. <laughs> or, you know. And, and he said, I was a Catholic for 30 years. I was an altar boy for 13 years. He said, let me quote you some Latin. So I'm telling you, he quoted five or six lines, every word perfectly. And then he said something that shocked me. I'm just sitting there watching all this. He says, I don't know what any one of those words means to this day. And I was an altar boy for 13 years. He said, and I, I'm not knocking Catholics. There's some, there's some Catholics that love Jesus, too. And I know some spirit-filled Catholics that love Him. I'm not at, I don't go around knocking. That's another thing the Lord said. It don't do the kingdom of God any good to knock other denominations and all that stuff. Trust God to get them straightened out if, if they need straightening out. He's always straightened me out when I needed it, if I didn't look to Him. So He says, uh, I just found out to be a lot of ritual. And He said, but two years ago, I started going to this church down there. He named a church. They, that church, I'm telling you, they're doing a dangerous thing at that church. They're worshiping Him. And it's not just its not just because it's time to sing again. They come together and they start adoring Him. And boy, when you adore Him and it comes out of your heart, He shows up. He said in the Bible, He inhabits that. That's where He wants to live. Get in your car sometime. Nobody will know it. If they're coming by, just quit for a minute. Let them get on by and then do it again. Just watch the road, but just... Just, just, just worship Him, you know. Worship Him. I thank you, God. I know the business isn't going that great, but Father, I thank you that you are my source. You're my source. Dare you to try it. You may think I'm just preaching, but I dare you to try it. Oh, because God's waiting to bless you when you really make Him your source. So this guy, he gets there and he said, this church I started going to two years ago, he said, we had somebody had their hearing healed the other day. I went, way to go, God. And then he looks at me and he said, don't I know you from somewhere? I said, I just a, used to be a coal miner and I come in here like these guys at Hardy's do. He said, what do you think the Bible says? Tell me about the Bible, he said. What do you believe it is? Tell me about the Bible. You could spend five years trying to tell somebody. So let me tell you what I told him. Now you're going to realize this is just simply a little old bitty overview, okay? The first five books or so are books of the law. They're... You start in Genesis, and, 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 and let me just say as quick as I can. God has these chosen people, and they're in Egypt. And He finally gets them out of Egypt after He poured every plague in the world on them kings. And the kings said, oh yeah, get out here, we'll let you go. And then as soon as the plague ended, they'd hold them there anyway. But God got enough, and they finally got out, and they crossed the Red Sea, was it? And they... Uh, and, and it, they make it across, and here comes the soldiers because the king's changed his mind again. He wants them back for slaves again. And as uh, soon as God's people get across that Red Sea and the soldiers get out there and try to walk between the parted waters, God lets the waters cover them up again and drowns them all. You know what they did? They had a worship service. I mean, they adored the Lord for years. They just, oh, it was just, they prayed every day. For hours they read, no, they didn't. They were humans like us. As soon as, it got, as soon as it got too good, they didn't need God again, so they started doing everything from fornication all the way through worshiping idols. I won't preach on it, but we got lots of idols in the United States of America. Politics can be your idol right now, this year especially. You know, the truth is, there's not any love in it because what you're thinking is, if I can get this one guy elected, then he, I can get a little advantage there. And we even hire lobbyists to go do that. Now, we're adults, so let me tell you a little secret. Prostitutes sell themselves. You ever hear it? Because they need the money. 
they usually end up destroyed over it. Right. We hire lobbyists to talk our congressmen and senators and legislatures, if they can, if they're for sale, into prostituting themselves. I'll leave it at that. That's where America's at. Amen. And you know why? Because we don't know the book and we don't. Now you can hear it. We could stay here and we won't till midnight. You can hear it all day long, but if you left here and never tried it, you just wasted a day. You got to be a doer. And I'm still learning. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We'll all be learning. Still learning. Nobody's got it all down. We act like sometimes they do. And then they disappoint us because you find out they're human. But keep your eyes on God. He never has done any of that. God will never tell you to have an affair, men. Ladies, He will never tell you to lie. He will never tell you any of us to gossip. or He'll never tell you to cheat people. He'll never tell you that. He's never done it. And He never will. That's why you have to know His Spirit. I won't get along with this, but we think we get saved. Let me make something really clear. We are saved by His grace. We will never do enough good works in or out of politics. We'll never do enough good works to, to get saved. But once you're saved, let me suggest something to you. Well, I should use a more powerful word than suggest. If you leave this out, whew. continue in Him. Continue in. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will. Continue in him. See, sometimes we get saved and we're taught, well, now everything, we can do anything we want to. We can join table one and use the Lord's name in vain. And lots of other bad words. Or we can join table three or table two and we can do their deal. We can try it their way, men's ways. And I'm just telling you, a little old microscopic thing that goes on across the United States, not just in Hardee's, McDonald's, wherever restaurants are, wherever people gather, many at Walmart, many places people gather, even in churches. Well, what happened was an absolute miracle. He, uh, he forgave them again, God did, after they'd worshipped idols. Moses went up on the mountain. He gave him these laws. Well, let me cut to the chase. Man can never keep all those laws. We got I saw a sign one day like gave me a heart attack. Not really, but it, it startled me. Driving down highway, it said, It is grace plus law. I thought, wow. The law ended when Jesus died on the cross. Now, the law is important. The Bible's full of history. It's also full of prophecy. Lots of books now coming up in prophecy that tell you what's going to happen. Centuries ago, it was prophesied. And I looked at this morning. It, if, if those prophecies contained like just ten things, ten different things within the prophecy, going to do this, 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 the odds of it not coming true are almost a thousand to one against it. But the more things they mention, the bigger the odds get. It has to be true, right. what I'm saying. It has to be true. Well, anyway, it got those. And then if you really want to help your life right in the middle of it, and I'm halfway through the Bible already, so I'm not going to be too long. There's two books in there that I'm telling you, there are more than that, but there's two right in the middle, Proverbs and Psalms. Oh, get to know them. Get to know them like you know your Social Security number. Get to know them like you know multiplication tables. Oh, I'm telling you what, you can't spend enough time in them. Whether you're sick or not, whether you're well, I mean, you can't spend enough time. They'll teach you so much. And, and these guys got, when they, when they quit arguing about politics, that guy asked me, what's the Bible about? I got to that part. I, I, was, t I was telling them what I'm telling you. And uh, I said, well, Proverbs, Solomon, they talked about how slick politicians are. They know stuff that the common folks don't know. 
They're not privy to it. I said, Solomon was the wisest man of his time. You hearing me? The wisest man, I asked him. I said, you and then I do this because they know I love them, see? You can't get away with this if they don't think you love them. But I do love them, so I'm not pretending. I get their ball cap, Bill. One of them's got a little short one he wears now. And I reach up there and I'll get it. He's 82, got a bad heart, still playing the game. I turn that to him and I say, Charlie, are you listening? Anybody in there? Are you listening? He'll look at me and grin, you know, and because he knows I care about him. I'm not just some guy out on some crazy deal, tangent. Uh, anyway, I look at him and, I, and I'll tell him, I'll say, Solomon was also the wealthiest man of his time because Charlie's made a lot of money in his lifetime. He rents out uh, 40 of the poorest housing in Franklin County and uh, I'll leave it at that. He's He's been in the system, and it's been his source. But now he's 82 with a bad heart. And I know down deep, because I can tell it, he appreciates me talking to him. Not arguing with him. I don't do that. So we're sitting there, and I said, Proverbs, if you want to be wise, you want to be wealthy, whoa, get to know Proverbs. I'm t that's the first book God told me to learn when I got saved. And then I read John. But he told me, he said, learn Proverbs. And buddy, I'm telling you what, I spent days in that book. And I still learn things out of it. You always will. Pick up his word and every time you pick it up, nearly he'll show you something else. So I'll finish up real quick here. The, we got on to the New Testament. And I said, back in Deuteronomy, fellas, God got so mad at him. finally he'd forgive them and forgive them, and they'd go do stupid stuff again and disobey him and terrible stuff. He'd, he's got such a God of love. I think he's a lot more long-suffering than I would have been, I'm sure. And, and, and finally, he just forgives them again. I want you to know, they go mess it up again, so he gets mad. You don't want God really mad at you. Who's the nicest person you've ever seen that you've never seen him angry? That's the person you don't want to get mad. I mean, really mad. Don't worry about them big loudmouths. Don't worry about them guys. They're, they're, they're mostly all talk, but... But it's, I'm telling you, watch that really sweet, quiet one that never gets angry. You don't want to get... And if you think that's true, you don't want to get God mad. Amen. He got so mad, he put a curse on them in Deuteronomy, one of those books of the law. I'm telling you what, it, he poured everything on them. Ladies, forgive me, he put on them emrods. How many of you know what emrods are? Terrible hemorrhoids. He not only did that, he put every other sickness and disease on him. I'm telling you what, he put disease on him. And here's what he said at the end. You talk about mad. He said, and, and after all these things I've already named, if there's any more, I'm going to put those on you too. Man, he was mad. So they lived under a curse. But well, if you look in the New Testament, it says, but Jesus went to the cross. And everyone goes to the cross. See that everyone that's cursed and goes to that cross and he broke that curse. But you have to know that and you have to believe it. And then the curse is broken. That's why a Christian, a true Christian that really knows this word, you don't have to go around in a panic because the economy gets bad. You don't have to go around in a panic because men are in control. Mankind. Not if, you, not if you're following him. Now if you get wise in your own conceits, even learning the Bible or whatever, and you forget those fundamentals that he taught us to love one another, the way I've loved you, if you forget to wait, and if you, I tell everybody, and I'm not even shy about it, get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus, I'm born again. If you're not, get born again first. Just ask forgiveness of your sins. He knows if you mean it out of your heart. He looks at the heart and he knows the heart. 
man con you, but he knows your heart. He knows if you're conning yourself but are trying to con other people. Get saved. And once you get saved, say, Jesus, he's the baptizer, the Bible says. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And then learn how to let the Holy Spirit take control. When I got saved, I think it had to be God. I, I asked him to forgive my sins, which were many. And I said, Lord, and come into my heart, be my Savior. And then for some reason, I prayed these words. It had to be him doing it, speaking. He, I said, and teach me your ways. If you leave here today... You can start right there. Teach me your ways. He'll lead you into all truth, he says. And uh, so them guys listened. And then I told them that Jesus died on the cross and the curse was broken. I said, men, I got to tell them by the ball cap. I said, are you looking? Are you listening? He looked me in the eye and grinned. I said, you got to ask Jesus into your heart. Now, if you're a smart out trying that, you're going to get your nose punched probably. But not if God's give you favor and if you really do care about him. I won't get into religion because it take my time up, and I don't want. You, you got the point, and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you what happened yesterday. <laughs> it's amazing. I started to leave the house just yesterday. All that the day before. Yesterday, the Lord says, "Take your Bible with you." I said, "Maybe a little one." He said, "Take your big Bible with you and Hardy's." I said, "God, Hardy's is liable to tell me I can't do that." He said, "Take the big Bible in there." I forgot one thing the day before, just before I left there the day before. A guy asked me, he said, would you, imagine this. I sat down, he said, would you explain Revelations to me? I went, still trying to understand it all myself. <laughs> you kidding, all them candlesticks and all that kind of thing? I said, he said, but he, you know what's happened? His wife's very ill, comes in every morning with him, very ill. He's been so faithful to her. Some men are, and some women are. And I think they've got special rewards coming. I sat down and, and he said, you wrote me out some notes one time, but you only got up to about chapter 12 or 13 or 14. He said, I know it's a lot of work, but would you write me some more for the rest of it? I thought, and then you talk about the Lord so good. Just the night before the Lord said, did you notice something in your Bible? Just before it starts naming, you pick out any place in this Bible. And just, just before, except the summation notes there, any part of the regular Bible, this is the King James part. These are the comments on the side this particular fellow's commentary but just before it names them it's got these little headings and what it's saying is it's saying these one two three next verses here this is what they're about and then you read the details when you read the scriptures the headings he showed me something I had a heart I, I get a little bored it's my fault God and I know it but sometimes prophecy begins to bore me after a while but I can read those headings, and there it is, all outlined for you what's going to happen. Then you go back and read the details, and I find out something. The more I read, the less bored I am. The more it comes alive to me. But you can read just those headings. So I told my friend, I said, just get a Bible that's got those headings. Make sure you get one that's got those little headings that groups the Scriptures. Sometimes eight or ten, sometimes one or two. And I said, it'll, tell you, it'll walk you right on through the sequence of how everything's going to happen. So that had happened, and the Lord said, you remember that fellow wanting to know more about Revelations? Take your big Bible yesterday. I said, but God, what would people think? What about number table number one? Especially all them guys that get real loud with their cussing. They see me walk in with a big Bible. So, I started to leave at home and the Lord said, if you are ashamed of me in front of men, I will be ashamed of you in front of your Heavenly Father. So I picked up my big Bible. I walked in Hardy's. If they noticed, they didn't act like it. I saw a few people glance, but nobody said anything. 
Hardee's didn't bother me. They're probably glad if something did happen, to be honest with you. Troubles they have with humanity. And I've made friends with the people that work at Hardee's, by the way. This was really hard for me. For a year and a half now, the Lord makes me give them a tip. I get a hot chocolate every morning. I don't drink coffee. And he makes me give them $2. I say, the senior hot chocolate. See, they get more tip that way. They get a dollar and four cents instead of just a dollar. So they love me now. I walk in now, they'll go, hi, sunshine. Even days when I'm not feeling that good, I'll go, hi, sunshine. I'll go, oh, yeah, i got to be representing God. i got to be in. And it, I'll say, change is for you. And instead of worrying about them, I think they're on my side. God gives me favor if I do His will. Now, if I try it with just personality, I've seen people go a long way with personality and then pew. But if you do what He wants. See, He's got the wisdom of the ages. He's hearing this right now and I bet you cheering. So, yesterday I come in with my Bible and I go right to table two. The last thing to happen at that, I mean table three, the two guys, the, the older 80-year-old guys, just before I left the day before, the guy, you know, you know how they'll try different things to keep you from talking the Word or God or even church? For the first time I've known him, he told a little nasty kind of a thing. No curse words, but a little nasty thing, you know. And he waited to see if that would hold me off or if I'd join in and be one of the boys. Well, I don't like nasty anymore since I know Jesus. We haven't got time for that stupidity. And so uh, I set my coat down, wherever I put it, there it is. I put my Bible on top of it. I never let anything sit on top of my Bible. I, it may be ritualistic, but I think it's that precious to me. And I set it on top at the next stool right over from us. And as soon as he sat down, he said, Do you fellas remember what I was talking about yesterday? And he started to go into that. I said, You're not going to tell that nasty thing again, are you? He tried one more time to start it. I said, Hold it. Hold it just a minute. Hold Wait. Wait before you do. I reached over and got my Bible, and I said, let me put my truth right here in front of you. And while you're telling that, I'm going to tell you why you're doing something to damn your soul. He goes, the other guy turns, the guy I went riding with, he turns and he goes, I said, wait a minute. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, I'm not even going to read that one to you. That scares pants off me and what you're getting ready to do. And uh, he goes, well, and I said, and then, oh, I said, now, try. well, this one you probably handle. This one says every idle word you'll be accountable for one day I said we're all getting older too I told him I said you know what there's some things you can't afford you know calls down deep he knows he's got this heart trouble he can't figure out and he's not a dumb man he knows that the days are probably numbered sometime or other only God knows for sure and he listened with an open heart so then I walked over to the fellow wanted to know about revelations and showed him the things. Well, here's a last remark. Just before I reached over to get my Bible, guess who walked in yesterday? They'd all left the day before. Guess who walked in? Table one. They couldn't sit over there away from us where they usually sit because McDonald's is remodeling. And somebody else had took that seat, some strangers from McDonald's down the street. And, and now it was a... There wasn't any... Guess where the only empty tables were? Right next to us. Right there. Whoa. I thought, especially that one guy. Man, they all, they all respect him and follow him. And, and, but God had prepared his heart last week with me. 
all of a sudden, instead of a, any kind of a clash, God had softened his heart. I, I gave him this petition. I have never handed out a petition in my life. I don't like them. I'm embarrassed by making people sign something. You never understand all what it's in unless you take an hour to read it. And I needed, and there's his signature on it. He was first guy grabbed it, and he said, I'll sign that. You know what it is? Uh, the state of Illinois, I know you're not going to believe this about our state, but we're getting ready to decide whether or not men ought to marry men and women ought to marry women. I'll tell you what will determine it, how many votes are involved. That's, and, and, and who can, who can be... Uh, how will we come out in this whole deal? Some states already done it, you know. So I said... He said, hey, the guy I've been worrying about, the ringleader, he said, I'll be glad to sign that. I've been looking for one of them to sign. So he signed it, and because he signed it, four or five more of them signed it. I only got one spot left now, and I'll be putting it in the mail to him. And it broke that wall down that was between me and him that the devil was trying to create. And it, the resistance was gone. So when I got that Bible and started telling these two guys that, and I looked over, one new guy had joined him. One young man, man, I'd forgot for a second until he looked at me, and then I remembered he loves Jesus with all of his heart. And there he is sitting there with them guys. Christians are coming out of the woods now. And God's sending new ones in. And now they walk over. And they'll say, Brother Mike, I, I'm so sick and I hurt so bad I can't even sleep at night. Remember me in prayer. And I say, okay, give me your hand. I'll remember you. Father, and I start praying. I don't make a show. You don't do it. Doing it. What do you? You know something the Lord had to deal with me about in all this. If you're doing it to make people think well of you, your motive's wrong. If your motive is to tell them about Him and His love, He'll back that to the hilt. So I pray for him. And you know what? Some some people notice it. Some don't. I don't care. And and every once in a while somebody else will come over. I told Carmel when I got home yesterday. I said, Carmel, we're having church down there now. It's no different when I used to go to churches. You know, we'd wait till the altar call and we'd pray for people. I'm, I'm waiting for the first one to give his heart to Jesus, and I think they're getting close, to be honest. And I, I, finally one guy said, well, you're just having church in here. And I said, yeah, and they're coming to Jesus one way or the other because when they get sick enough and they hurt enough, I've been there, see? It gave me a compassion that I never had before. I was compassionate, but not like this. I relate to it now. And when men hurt enough, when their business and it doesn't make it anymore, when they're trying to just make a living for their kids and their wife, and, and they're not trying to cheat anybody, when, when things like that's going on and they're not happening, and you find out that you can't do it and men can't do it, I know there's things in life. I told the, the, the man that I've sat there a year and a half that's lived his life out of his, out of his intelligence, I told him one day, the Lord said, write this down and read it to him. So I read it to him, and here's what it said. It said, I, I, the Lord told me these words. He said, write them down and say this to him. It said, I'm just barely smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to handle everything that comes along in life. And he studied about that. And then he got eye trouble. And for the first time, it won't heal up. The other eye did great. But this one's gone on now for several weeks. And now he's getting seriously concerned. And now he's listening more. Amen. And I don't preach at him. I listen to them sometimes too. Sometimes we talk fishing and trucks or whatever. Well, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you, your word, whether they remember my name, don't matter. Lord. Your word, Father, will sink so deeply into their hearts that it will affect their lives. 
And Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray today that they will say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. And then they'll make it public. Ross said to me the other day, fellow went riding with him, he said, I don't talk about them things, they're too personal. I said, well, the Bible says we're supposed to confess out of our mouth. And I, I thank you, Lord, you will draw them, those fellows in the hearties. And I thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. If somebody needs healing today, Father, I lift them up to you. I, I told you I'd close. This is the close. Last, last line. His cousin, I love them both, his cousin said to me the other day, he finally decided to get blunt with me. Politics hadn't worked. Getting nasty hadn't worked. Nasty jokes. So he got blunt with me. He said, every religious person I've ever met is a hypocrite. I said, you're exactly right. I can't stand religion, I told him. He went, they think they got you, and then the Lord will tell you how to handle it. He said, no matter who he puts you in front of. I said, you know what religion really is? Religion is law. God's law that the, he wrote down, and then men add to it. And then they end up being religious and quit loving people and quit letting the Holy Spirit direct their life. And that gets them farther and farther away from a personal relationship. He turned his head and I said, give me that cap on that bill. I said, a personal relationship with Jesus is your Savior. It gets you closer to Jesus when you have that personal relationship and away from law and, and the grace that he demonstrated you. And all of a sudden, he said, I understand what you're saying. I said, now, keep in mind, I didn't say I was perfect. I'm trying. I don't ever want to do one thing that would make me ashamed in front of the Lord. But sometimes you mess up, you get angry. Or you get, or as soon as you come home, you and your wife will try to get into it or something. The devil will try something. And sometimes I don't catch on quick enough. I don't remember my word quick enough. And, and then I get this Bible and I think, well, instead of getting mad at her and not speaking for about a week, I'm going to get in here and see if... There might be a better answer. And so, now what do you do when the argument's over? And I know where his source is. I know where his source is. I said, let me tell you something amazing. Let me tell you what politics did to me in Franklin County one time. They started taxing me on a ministry building. And the state backed them up. And I said, God, what am I going to do? I can pay the taxes because I know you'll supply that, but this is wrong. They're stealing from the ministry. And I got angry, and then I had to get over my anger. And then once I got over my anger, I started just waiting on the Lord. And one day, we're right in front of the building that we had, brick new building on Main Street, ministry building, and we're riding right in front of behind the van, and the Lord said, pull those people over and give them that building. She's a paraplegic. She came here once for prayer, and her husband, and, and you know who goes to that? They started a church there, right? You know who goes? People that nobody else wants. I was in one church one day. A lady in the Sunday school class said this. She said, well, what happens if we get those kind of people in our church. I didn't say anything at the time. I think I probably would now. I would say, well, you know, those kind of people are the ones that Jesus died for, as well as you or me. But anyway, uh, when they don't have any answers, and now they're open because they're hurting, that's not when you become a smart other can take advantage to prove that you knew more than they knew. I'll tell you what I tell them. I was saying, He loves you with all of His heart. And let me tell you what He did for me. Since we gave that building away, God sent me and my wife on a worldwide tour telling people the gospel without ever asking for a penny, ever, ever. And He provided all the money to go. 
He sent us on a worldwide tour after we gave that building, and they're using the building the way we's going to try to use it. I don't even have to keep a building up. I said, God, shouldn't I start me a church? This is going so good in West Frankfurt. I think we'd have a pretty good church. He said, you got your church, Hardy's. And he said, you don't have to pay any overhead, and you don't have to live under anybody's rules. And nobody said a word when I walked out with that Bible yesterday. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. God bless you. Thanks for letting me tell you about Jesus some more and about the Bible. God bless you. Anyway. Oh, he's, faithful. he's faithful, isn't he? Love you, baby. I love you too, buddy. Yes, Lord. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart what is your answer to him time after time he has waited before and now he is waiting again To see if you're willing to open the door Oh, how He wants to come in Yes, friends, God is waiting for you to open that door and ask Him to come into your life. And all you got to do is cry out to Him and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and save me, and he will do it every time. I promise you that. So cry out to him right now, and remember, God loves you, and we do too. Hey, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn. We'll talk at you later. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab and you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web you can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page so check it out and if you ask jesus christ into your heart then give us a call and let us know been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree those 18 wheels
wheels are rolling down that old lonesome road. And I shared the good news wherever I go. Yes, there's been a change. I'm not the man I used to be. And I tell everybody what's happened to me. How I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. But I called his name. This chance, could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome. So long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.